Hey, I want to pray before we, uh, before we jump in this morning. So, uh, so let's ask God to speak to us and to bless our time here today. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much that right now you are with us, that you're here. God, you're in this room. Uh, you are fully present and available for us. And Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Uh, God, I believe it's no accident that we've all found ourselves in this room today. And God, I pray that you would start something today that will change us forever. God, I pray that you would do something in this room that we will never get over, that we will never recover from, that, God, we would catch a glimpse of who you are and what Jesus has done. And, God, we would be different people. So, God, I pray that right now uh, you would just bless uh, the preaching of your word. I pray, God, that you would help us... uh, Jesus, to apply this in, in, in every way possible. God, there's so many people here right now, and so there's so many different ways that you could speak and that this could land in lives. And so, God, you just do your work. God, thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is our four-year uh, birthday as a church, man. It's been an amazing four years. It's been a wild ride to be on. And so today, we celebrate uh, four years as a church. That's awesome. Yeah, man, you can, yeah, you can get pumped. So what I want to do is I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story uh, just about uh, really what God has been doing in my life for the past year, um, to be honest. So I just want to share with you for a few minutes uh, about what God uh, has been doing in my life for the past year, since about October of last year, uh, and what that means for our church, and uh, I think that uh, God, Lord willing, is he's really going to challenge us. You know, when we started in 2011 uh, as a church, we started uh, with a really clear vision from God. God uh, spoke to us, and it was, I, it was just a moment I'll never forget, one of those moments that you'll, that, that, that'll just be crystal clear in my life uh, for the rest of my life is when God called us uh, to come back to Hazard, uh, back home, and to start this church. And I just remember it was really clear that God specifically said, I want you to go back and I want you to start a church that starts other churches. And I just remember that being crystal clear. And so we came back here to do that in 2011, September. We, we launched in, t- in September 2011. And we, we had preview services all that summer of 2011. And, and how many, let me just ask this. I was wondering this this morning. I know a few of you are here. How many of you were at our very first preview service in April of 2011? You've been here since day one. There you go. Some hands are going up. Yeah, look at those. Look at those hands. I remember, I remember when I first went into church planning, one of the things they tell church planners, at least they told us, is that your first service will attract all the weirdos in town. And, and so I literally remember. I, I remember walking through, uh, walking through and, and Kendra, I didn't give you guys permission to use you guys, but I remember seeing Kendra and Chip Allen over there. There they are. And, uh, and I remember looking at them uh, thinking, you know what? They look really normal. I think that we're going to make it because they look normal. And so, uh, so I, remember, I remember just walking out of that service, just, our minds were blown. And as we went into our very first service in September 2011, we called that our grand opening service uh, four years ago today. And, uh, and I remember, if you remember, we were praying for 200 people. Remember? We prayed for 200 people to be there. And 205 showed up. So it was awesome, man. We were like, we, man, it was great. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. We walked off stage and spiked our Bibles. It was, it was great. Um, but, uh, but literally after that, uh, God, just, God just did and has done an amazing work, hasn't he? I mean, we've seen God, uh, we've seen God 
save people. We've seen hundreds of people literally make first-time decisions for Christ and and hundreds of people baptized. We've seen marriages put back together. We've seen uh, God grip uh, men and women and kids and teenagers and and just absolutely turn their world upside down. And and I remember when we started this church, people told us, you know, that that, a church like that in, in, in Hazard, Eastern Kentucky, Probably not going to go well. Probably people, uh, people won't show up largely. Probably won't last long. And what started to happen was the exact opposite. Uh, God just brought hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And, and I'll just be really honest with you. I want to be really honest with you and really transparent with you this morning. God did all of that, and we give God all the praise and all the glory for everything that he's done in four years. Amen? We give God all credit for it, man. But I will be honest with our church this morning and tell you that, you know what, all of the numbers and everything that God did, I'll be honest with you, I got caught up in it. Because I looked around and what we could see and what we were talking about is we were just going to be a big church. God was, God was just making this bigger and bigger and bigger and more people were coming. And, and so I just kind of thought, all right, we're going to have a big church. We're going we're to be a big church. I'm going to lead a big church. We're just going to be a really big church right in eastern Kentucky. And so I, so I got caught up in, in, in a lot of that, the bigness of it, if I could just be honest with you. And then last year. Um, last year, uh, last year in October, uh, I went, I got invited uh, to go to Bolivia. You remember that? Some of you remember that? I, I got invited to go to uh, Bolivia uh, through Compassion International. And if you don't know what Compassion International is, Compassion International is a ministry where people here in the States can adopt kids from all over the world, and you're at $49, $50 a month that goes to providing for a kid's uh, education, it goes to providing for their uh, their health care and spiritual needs. Gets them in a church, they're discipled, they're taught the Bible. And uh, Compassion International, they do several trips throughout the year they call vision trips. Vision trips are where they just invite church leaders to go to another country somewhere in the world and Compassion International will pay for you to go. They'll pay off. They just want you to see it. And so I got invited last year to go to Bolivia. They invited me. They said, we just want, we just want, you, we just want you to see what we're doing. So I said, sure, we'll, we'll go. I, I went and I was there for a week. And I remember when I got off the plane in Bolivia, we, it, was, it, was just, uh, it was just four days. So it was real quick. There was no rest. There was no breaks. And so we got off the plane. They took us to a church there in Bolivia. And the church was led by a guy right there in the neighborhood uh, where we were in Bolivia. He got saved and uh, was, was taught the Bible, just loved God, loved the church, loved the Bible. And, and so he was the pastor of this church. And this church is about 75, 80 people. And he was leading this church, and so, so Compassion was talking about how this, how this church is meeting all the health care needs for dozens and dozens and dozens of kids and discipling their families, and people are being saved. And, and, and we're looking at this, it was great to see. And then one of the Compassion International representatives, they, they looked at our group, leaders, church leaders from America, and they said, all right, guys, uh, get ready. In about 30 minutes, we're going to go to another church that this church started. And, and that just really caught my attention. And I walked up to, to the people from Compassion. I said, so this guy's church started another church. And they said, actually, no, this guy's church, and we saw this throughout the week, this guy's church has started a network of churches 
all over Bolivia, and those churches are starting other churches, and this entire country is being changed because of what's happening out of this church. A guy that had never been to Bible college, never been to seminary, was not on any social media, didn't know what popular uh, church trends were or anything like that. All it was was a group of pastors, a group of churches that read the Bible. And when they read the Bible, they walked away from it and they said, you know what, I think that God could do this through our lives. I think that God could do the impossible through our lives. I think that we're supposed to make other disciples. We're supposed to impact our friends and family and co-workers. But I also think that our church should start other churches that start other churches and we could win this country for Jesus. And so that's what they just believe. And um, I was really convicted by that. I was really, con- Summit, listen to me. I was really convicted by that because Jesus is building a kingdom, but it isn't mine. And it isn't yours, and it isn't anybody's in this room. Jesus is building a kingdom, but it is his kingdom. It is his kingdom. And so what that did for me was I was just really convicted, and I got on the airplane to come home, and I just said, God, what do you want to do? Because I feel like there is a shift happening. Do you remember at the beginning of 2015, this year, we declared 2015 the year of the shift. Do you remember that? Well, what was happening behind the scenes in my heart and in a lot of conversations in our church is we knew that God was shifting the way that we thought, shifting the way that we were supposed to do things. We didn't know what that was supposed to look like, but we've been praying, and I was praying, God, what do you want us to do? What what does this shift need to look like. And we really felt that God was just leading us back to the original vision that God had given for this church of being a church that plants other churches. That right here from Hazard, Kentucky, God might change the world, not because we deserve it, but for his glory, he might use us to change the world. So, so God, what would that look like to have a church that plants other churches? What would it look like to have an entire church that says to God, God, we are available. God, here's our resources. Here's our people. God, we want to open our hand to everything that you've given us. Here it is. An offering back to you. God, what would that look like? See, the mission of our church, the vision of our church from day one, it has always been and it will always be that Summit Community Church exists to see people transformed by the gospel and equipped to transform the world with the gospel. That is our mission. It has always been our mission. But what I believe and what God has been showing us over the past year is God is expanding that vision. God has not given us a vision simply for a church. Listen to me. God has given us a vision for his kingdom. And so I believe, I believe that God is calling our church to shift. I believe that God is, is, is calling me is calling our leaders, calling our volunteers, calling our church to shift in really four specific ways. Four specific ways. Here they are if you're taking notes through the app or you're keeping score at home or whatever you might be doing. I think that God is calling us. I want to share four things that I think God is leading us into today and on into the future. God is calling us to be ascending church. God is calling us to be ascending church. I love this right now because the room is packed. Do you see this? Right? I love preaching to a packed room, don't you? I love it when the room is packed. I love our worship team loves to play to a packed room. I love the energy that comes from a crowd. Man, I love when the room is packed. 
But listen to me. God does not want to pack this room out every week so that we can keep everybody. And at the end of the day, the only thing that grows is our bottom line. Amen? That's not what God wants. I've said for the past couple of weeks, if you've been listening, all this stuff's starting to make sense probably to some of you, but I've said for the past month at least that I'm convinced God is only going to grow our church from here on out. God is only going to grow our church in order to send our church out into the world. God is only going to grow us to send us. So let's just be honest. Next week, October the 4th, we've been talking about that week. We've been pumping it up. How you need to bring your friends next week. You need to bring your family members next week. You need to bring anything with a pulse to the forum next week. Amen? We're starting a brand new series called Hope. If there's anything that Eastern Kentucky needs right now, it's hope. And we know hope has a name, and its name is Jesus. Amen? So we want... So listen... We want to pack this room out. You ought to bring every single person you've ever met in your life to this church next week. But we are not praying for a lot of people to make a one-time decision. It's a flash in the pan, and weeks later, we never see them again. We are praying, and I'm at, join me in praying that next week, people would give their life to Jesus, they would be baptized, they would be discipled and grow to love Him and His Word, and they would realize the spiritual gifts that God has given them, and then they would want to give their lives as an offering to God, and God would use them to change the world, right? October 17th is the Walking Dead Invasion. It's one of the biggest events we do all year as a church. We are not praying that a lot of teenagers come and a lot of teenagers make a decision so that the numbers are impressive. Listen, we are praying that teenagers, men and women, teenagers, would make decisions for Christ on October 17th and from the crowd that gets saved, God would raise up church planners. God would raise up future pastors. God would raise up future leaders in this community that would radically change this community. We're not interested in some flash in the pan that looks good one night. We are only interested in eternal fruit for Jesus' glory. Right? But see, when we say that God is calling us to be ascending church, what that means is that all of us are called. Who's called to ministry in this church? Raise your hand. Okay, now, see, here's why I did that. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that God's given to the church pastors, shepherds, evangelists, teachers, and then here's Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of, does anybody know the next word? Ministry. What that, mean is, what that means is this. Every Christian has been called to ministry. Every Christian. Listen, if you're a Christian today, you're not, the, you're not the only one in that seat because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. He's given you spiritual gifts that he wants to use through your life. Now, listen, everybody's, everybody's ministry is going to look different, but you and I are both called to ministry. We all are if we're Christians. See, the ministry of this church can't be in the hands of a few. It needs to be in the hands of all of us. The best people equipped to reach teenagers are teenagers in love with Jesus. The best people equipped to reach your family is you filled with the Holy Spirit. The best people to reach your coworkers is you filled with the Holy Spirit, going into work tomorrow, prayed up, ready and willing to do your work, number one, with excellence, and two, to let your light shine for Jesus' glory. See, the ministry can't be in the hands of a few. It needs to be in the hands of all of us. That's why earlier this year we knew we had to get more strategic and intentional about discipling people, our church, and just helping them grow in the faith. That's why we started Growth Track for our life groups. 
Growth Track, those four groups, we have them here on Sunday nights at 6.15. Several people have joined those groups, but I'd love for everybody to because those four groups, Growth Track 101, 201, 301, and 401, they answer four questions. Here they are. What's a disciple? What's the Bible? Who's the Holy Spirit? And how can I make a difference? I think you ought to be in one of those groups. Earlier this year, we also launched Go Groups. This week, our first Go group went to the homeless shelter. Go groups are life groups, groups of people that get together to go out strictly to do ministry. Sarah Burton's right there. She did an amazing job leading our homeless shelter Go group this week. Mark Applegate, the muscle in the baptistry tank. Thanks, Mark. I don't know where he is. But he's at Walkertown every single Monday night leading leading a Bible study right there, reaching people for Jesus. And listen, we are praying that God would call somebody, call other people in our church to lead those kind of groups at Liberty Street, at Cherokee Hills, at Gorman Hollow. A lot of you live in subdivisions. I would challenge every person that lives in some type of subdivision in this county or in a surrounding county, begin to pray today, God, would you want to use me to reach my neighbors? Now, God will not say yes to everybody, but I know God will say yes to somebody. God, would you want to use me to reach my neighbors? God is calling us to be ascending Church, that we would all use our gifts and leverage our lives for Jesus. Second thing God is calling our church to is God is calling us to church multiplication. God is calling us to be a multiplying church. What's that mean? God is calling us to be a church that plants other churches. So next year we're launching Summit Whitesburg. And we're praying for that church. And we're believing God for great things in Whitesburg next year. But listen, there needs to be a work like that in Pikeville. Amen? There needs to be something like that in Jackson. Wherever there are people, we believe there needs to be a church that's giving life, that's giving hope, that's preaching the gospel, and it's willing to do whatever it takes to reach people. And so we want to be radically committed to be a church that starts other churches. This past week, for the very first time, I met with five guys in our church. They're all here this morning. Five guys, and we've got some more guys that have said they want to be a part of that group. Five guys within our church that we are training right here to be preachers in our church. I can't wait. Pretty soon you're going to see them up here and they're going to be preaching and spitting and yelling. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. We met for the first time this week. Here's the first thing that I told them. You know what? Some of you guys aren't going to stick around here because our church is about to send you out as a church planter. Some of you guys aren't going to stick around here because our church is about to send you out as a pastor. And we need to do that. Amen? We need to be committed to doing that that we would multiply ourselves, that we would start other churches. And I'll tell you how deep we want this to go. We want this to go at every level of our church. So teenagers, listen to me. Middle school students, high school students, we want you to get a taste of what it means to plant a church. If you grow up and you live here for the rest of your life or you leave and you go to another church, we want you to think it's weird that churches don't start other churches. So Austin and I have been talking for the past couple of weeks and we've been praying. And beginning next year, the summer of 2016, beginning next summer, we're going to expose our teenagers in this church. We're going to begin a rotation where one summer we'll expose them to church planting and then the next summer after that we'll expose them to international ministry. So starting today, we're going to put it up later today. If you're a middle school, high school student, you can sign up June 25th through July the 1st to be a part of what's called Power Plant. And you can help plant churches in Cleveland, Ohio. Power Plant is a ministry where churches from all over the country send their students for one week to various locations across the country, and it exposes them to church planting. And listen, I led a group of 30 teenagers one time to this event, and it changed their lives. I am telling you, students, don't pray about it, just sign up. Don't, don't even pray about it. 
$299 a person, we're going to do enough fundraisers, none of you will have to pay a dime of your own money. We're going, to do, we're going to help you go. But listen, parents, you ought to send your kids. Say, listen, that week I don't want to see you at home. Your butt better be in Cleveland. If your butt isn't in Cleveland playing a church, you're grounded. That's what I want to hear. Right? That leads right into the third thing that God is calling us to. God is calling us to international church planting and ministry. God's calling us to be a sending church. God, call, God is calling us to be a church that, that, that multiplies, that plants other churches. And God is also calling us to international church planting and ministry. I have people say this to me sometimes. Well, Mark, why do we need to go overseas? There's so much need here. And that sounds right, doesn't it? That, that sounds right, but it's not. And here's why we need to be committed to going to the world. Here it is. Jesus said to. That's it. Jesus said go to the nations and make disciples. See, some, if we've got a radical vision to change this community, but we don't have a vision to change the world, we are disobedient. Amen? Fourth thing, God is calling our church to his community impact. God is calling our church to community impact. A few weeks ago, the, the apartment fire downtown. I went to the Presbyterian church that day. People called uh, me and our church said, hey, we need some help. We need, we need ice. We need all kinds of things. And so several of us from our church, Austin, Dana, and I, we were just that day, we were just going and going and going, getting them whatever they needed. And one time we brought some food in. There was a guy, I do not remember his name, walked up to me at the Presbyterian church in his early 20s. And the look on his face said that I don't know what's next. And I just put my hand on his shoulder. Big dude, man. Big dude, if we'd have gotten a fight, he took me down. I just ran away. Uh, I just put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, man, I'm sorry. And he just began to weep. He said, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I talked to him for a few minutes. I prayed. But when I was praying for him, the thought just came to my mind and said, this is it. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah, somebody had 500 people today. Yeah, but somebody here in this county can't get food to eat. The family that we've sponsored from the fire, we went, so many of you gave. God bless you for giving. I mean, you gave everything that they needed and more. But listen, the look on their face last week, it said to everybody, I was looking at Sean Stamper, I'm looking at Neil, I'm looking at everybody who went, some, several of you went, the look on their face told us this is what the church is supposed to do. To be about people who might never come, might never increase your bottom line. So earlier this year, we forged two uh, what we call strategic ministry partnerships with the homeless shelter, with Hickory Hills Rehab Center. We need to strengthen those relationships. But I just want to say to our church, because we're going to keep it on the front burner, we're going to talk about it more and more and more, is we are never more like Jesus than when we serve. We're never more like Jesus than when we serve serve. You know, on that plane when I was coming home, I felt that God wanted me to take a journal out of my backpack. I had a bag. I drew three circles. drew three circles on a page, three concentric circles right there in the middle. I drew, I drew our church right there in the middle. There's Summit right there in Hazard. And we believe that God wants to fill this community with, with go groups and groups at your schools and in your, in your neighborhoods, groups of people serving right there in the middle is Perry County. It's our church, but then the circle around that is Eastern Kentucky. And we believe, I believe that God wants us in the next 10 years in Eastern Kentucky to start five churches in this region. Those churches will start other churches. Summit Whitesburg is one of those, but listen, after Summit Whitesburg, we're not done. I believe God wants us to try to start a new church every year beginning next year. 
And then after that, God had me draw a bigger circle representing the entire world that God would want us to start five churches internationally in the next 10 years. Could God do that? Do you believe God could do that? I believe God could do that. Now, I will be honest with you and say I think God wants to do more than that. So here's where this starts and then I'm done. This all starts, everything we've talked about today, it starts with prayer. We've been praying and fasting for 40 days. We're not done. We're not done praying. We're not done fasting. We've been praying and fasting for 40 days. I love John 12, uh, 24. It says this. It's on the screen. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. What Jesus means is just simply this. If a grain of wheat, if it's about its own bottom line, its own comfort, its own security, if it lives for itself and it dies, yeah, it might have had a fun life, and yeah, it might have done some good, but when it dies, it dies. I mean, don't you want your life to go on after this one ends, don't you? Don't you want to be about something that's bigger than you, that endures for eternity. So Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues and he says this, but if it dies, if that small grain of wheat, what, what kind of difference can my life make? I'm just a middle school student. I'm just a high school student. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. If a grain of wheat, Jesus says, if that small, seemingly insignificant grain of wheat, if it dies, it will what? Finish it with me. Bear much fruit. It'll bear fruit that lasts fruit that endures for all of eternity. And I just want to lay my cards on the table and say, I want to be like that. I want to live a life where, where I choose to die so that from my life might come eternal fruit. So one grain a week can do that. That's why I want to say today, all this takes is one person. One person that would have the courage and the faith to go to God and say, God, I want to be like that grain of wheat. I'm looking at middle school and high school students right now. Is there one teenager in this room who would get broken over your school and say, God, before I graduate, let me make your name known? Just one. Because that's all it takes. I don't know what the problem is in your marriage. And it's, and it's complicated, and I don't want to make it light. Yeah, you need some counseling, you need some encouragement, but can I just say that if one of you would humble yourself, if one of you, just like that grain of wheat, would die, well, 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 she's wrong, well, he's wrong, you're probably right. But just like that grain of wheat, if it would choose to die and say, you know what, it's not about me, maybe if you'd humble yourself, and in just a moment, I'm going to open this up, I'm going to challenge our church, let's recommit ourselves to God in prayer. Let's recommit ourselves to be the people that God wants us to be. Let's recommit ourselves, students, commit yourself for the first time to get broken over your campus. Maybe if somebody today would get broken over their marriage, maybe you'd grab your spouse's hand, bring him or her up here, or just come alone and say, Say, God, I can't fix it. I want to die so that life would come through my death. Maybe that will be the thing that saves your family. Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's just one person that would come today and say, God, I want it to begin with me. I want the revival that you want to send to this whole region. Begin it with me. But right now, our band's going to come. They're going to grab their spots, and I've asked them to lead us in a song that's been real precious to our church. It's on the CD. When you listen to the CD version of the song, it'll rock your, it'll melt your face off. It'll be amazing. They're going to lead us in a song called Mighty Breath of God. 
And isn't that what our region needs? The mighty breath of God to move like never before. I, I love to run. I love to run, man. I run all the time at the park. Every time I run around Perry Central, I pray this prayer. And I, and I do every time. I look at that school and I say, God, would you give us that school? Would you give us that school? Why don't you pray that for your school? Why don't you pray that for your street? Here in just a moment, maybe you need to even just stop listening to me. You just need to come and get on your face right now. For your family, for your friends, I'm challenging teenagers in just a minute. As soon as the band begins to play, come up here and pray for your school. You guys might want to get together and just pray collectively. You might want to come up here and pray for your family. You might want to come up here because, hey, listen, maybe your walk with God is not where it used to be, and today you need to recommit to God. You need to get back on track with Jesus. I don't know what God is doing in your life, but right now, could the revival start? Could it start right now with one person, maybe hundreds of people as I'm looking at us, saying, God, here I am. God, start it with me. I'm going to come down here and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray for our church. Because listen, listen, without the power of God, this is just a meeting every Sunday. Amen? And our church doesn't need a meeting. It needs the power of God. So I'm going to get on my knees here in just a second. I'm going to pray for the power of God in and through our church. I would love for you to join me. I would love for you to join me for your family, for your husband, for your wife, for your kids, for your friends, for your neighbors, for your school, for your workplace, for this region, this state, this nation, and the world. That today we would pray that the mighty breath of God would blow in and through our lives. If you don't come up here, listen, don't leave. You stand and you worship God during this song. But I believe that God might do something, might spark a revival in this moment. I'm going to come down here and pray, and I invite you to join me right now as our band plays. If not, let's all stand really quick. Let's all stand. Let's worship. If you want to come and pray, you come up here right now. Just come up here right now. Our band's going to lead us. Let's worship, but you come up here and pray right now.
very quickly. Father, we, we just recommit ourselves to that call today. We recommit ourselves today to you sending us out, to you breaking our hearts for, for people, for lost people, for this world, for this city. God, we do not want to try to spend our lives building a kingdom that's never going to stand. We want to be about building your kingdom. God, at the end of the day, that's the only kingdom that stands. 
With every head bowed, with every eye closed, no one is looking around. We're about to leave. But just let me ask you one question. How many of you, by simply raising your hand, God has spoken to you today and you say, you know what, I want to commit to that. I want my life to be about building Jesus' kingdom. Raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. Hands are going up all over. Raise your hand high. High so, high so we can see them, so we can pray for you. I want my life to be about that call, that commitment. Hands are going up. You just begin to talk, to talk to God about that. Pray to God about that. Put your hands down. God bless you for that commitment. But listen, first and foremost, for Jesus to build his kingdom through your life, if you want your life to be about that, you've got to give him your life first. You've got to say, Jesus, I'm done with my kingdom. I want your kingdom to come in my life. I need to be saved. I want to begin a relationship with you. If today you are not a Christian, you are not a follower of Jesus. Listen, I'm not talking about a get out of hell free card. I'm not asking you, do you believe in God? I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm asking you, has there ever been a point in your life, even right now, has God spoken to you during this service where for the first time you realize that you've sinned against God? You don't have a relationship with Him, but Jesus loves you and today you can be saved. Today, for the very first time, it's the cry of your heart. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Is that you today? Today, if you are here and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we can be saved. So these aren't magic words, but I find here every week, there's somebody that comes to this point in the decision and they say, I don't know what to say or do, so I just want to help you. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today, begin to follow Him. Yeah, you'll mess up, but He'll love you anyway. Yeah, you'll mess up, but, he, but today, if you give Him your life, He refuses to walk out on you. You want to make that decision today? Then right now, I just invite you to pray this prayer. This is not you talking to me. This is not you praying to anyone. This is me helping you express what God is doing in your life right now. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, pray this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus... Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and save me right now. Build your kingdom inside of me. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I give my life to you today for the very first time. Amen. No one is looking around, but did you just make that decision? If you made that decision, I just want to know it so I can celebrate with you today. I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, don't wait or think about what everybody else is doing. If you prayed today to give your life to Christ for the first time on three, just shoot your hand high up in the air so that I can see it and celebrate with you. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Today you want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Just raise your hand. And if you are raising your hand, you're making that decision, just look at me. Look at me right now. On your way in, we gave you a connection card. And here's what I want to point out to you. On the back, of, on the back, it's a box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Listen, don't leave today until you tell somebody what, what you've done. Don't leave today until you tell somebody the decision that you've made. Whether it's give your life to Jesus, you need to be baptized, you want to serve. Whatever God has done in your life, don't leave today until you take action. Okay? Jesus, we thank you so much for changed lives. We thank you so much that you called us. God, that you want to use our lives today for your kingdom. Jesus, we love you and we celebrate what you have done and we thank you that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Summit, let's praise God for what we've done, what we've seen today, what we've heard, how God has worked and what he's going to do.